Welcome to Ask the NP on Channel Q. So glad you could join us today. I am so excited. It is Friday. Uh, if you are listening to this live, it may be a different day if you are listening to this as a podcast, and that is okay. Either way, we have made it to the end of this week, and man, there were some huge, amazing, awesome things going on in the news this week, primarily the that vaccine, right? Everyone is talking about that vaccine, and... Guess who got it? I'm going to share a little bit more about my experience about that vaccine. And I am just so honored and privileged to be in your ear hole for a couple of hours on Fridays where we talk about a little pop culture, a lot of health, things going on in the news, some interviews and some fantastic things going on. Coming up later on in this show, we have two great interviews today. Of course, we're talking to Dr. John Paul Higgins, who is an author, educator, activist, And you've seen and read Dr. John Paul Higgins everywhere. And we are talking about a really interesting topic uh, with Dr. John Paul today. Uh, This understanding why black individuals and other individuals of color, indigenous folks, Latinx folks, are reticent to maybe take the COVID-19 vaccine. And why that is so different in communities of color versus Uh, white communities. And so we really kind of dive into that because it's a little bit of an uncomfortable topic, but one that's very, very important. Obviously, if we as an entire country are going to move towards uh, herd immunity and everyone getting vaccinated, and particularly because black Americans and individuals of color are being being disproportionately impacted by COVID on the order of four to five times more uh, than their white peers. So a very interesting conversation with Dr. John Paul later on. As well, we have Mark S. King from My Fabulous Disease, who celebrated a milestone this week and had what I think was one of the most fun Zoom conversations, Zoom events I have ever seen. The replay is on his website, and there was maybe the A-list of all A-list gays uh, actually came on and uh, wished Mark a happy birthday and sang Mark the happy birthday song, which is pretty phenomenal. I, my, I was floored. So find out who that is and uh, more about Mark S. King and My Fabulous Disease and how you can help out other long-term HIV survivors is also coming up later on in the show. Uh, but first, Mike Pence. <laughs> Did you think we would want to talk about Mike Pence right away? But We're going to talk about Vice President Mike Pence because he was the highest ranking U.S. official to finally receive the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine uh, that just happened earlier today, actually, uh, on Friday in a live television event, which was sort of aimed to try to reassure Americans that this is safe and effective. Um, particularly, obviously, for those individuals who are fans of Mike Pence and Donald Trump um, to reassure their constituency as well. He actually went on to call this a medical miracle that could eventually contain uh, this pandemic, which is certainly raging right now. You know, the the Surgeon General also got uh, uh, his shot today uh, live on television as well. And I think some individuals Um, have sort of wondered, is it fair for these politicians to be the ones to get their shots before maybe other frontline workers, essential workers, frontline healthcare providers? Um, I don't know. I'm actually of two minds of this because I think that it is really important for the individuals who keep our government going from a national security standpoint to be vaccinated from this, uh, from COVID-19. Also, 
anyone who can really encourage more individuals to actually take the vaccine and be less fearful of the vaccine, I am all for this, even if we don't agree uh, with political ideologies. I will say I had the privilege of joining Mike Pence and the Surgeon General and many others in receiving the first vaccine uh, just this week. I got my vaccine on Thursday evening, uh, a little bit before I left the hospital, and it was a really, really kind of lackluster experience, if you will. (laughs) It didn't really, uh, you know, I got the shot. It felt like a shot in my arm. It didn't really hurt. It wasn't super cold. Lots of people have been asking if it's super cold. It was not super cold going in. I mean, you could feel a little bit of coldness going in. And I maybe got warm for about 10 minutes or so, about 10 minutes after the shot. I felt super warm. My whole body was kind of like warm, not like a fever, not like sweating crazy or anything. I felt super warm, but that went away after a few minutes. And since then, I felt fine. Here I am the next day. My arm's a little bit sore, but I'm able to use it. It's fine. Um, I think this is a very, very small price to pay uh, for the power that this vaccine has um, in moving us forward and getting us back to the lives that we were wanting to live before this pandemic. And frankly, for us to uh, not have people continue to get sick and die because it is um, every bit as bad as you are hearing, and I'm going to share some more of my personal experiences in the hospital this week, um, how I feel about the vaccine, how we feel about Tom Cruise's rant uh, on set, plus uh, those interviews with Dr. John Paul and with Mark S. King. And of course, as always, your questions answered, because that's what we do here on Ask the NP on Channel Q. Great show coming up for you. Do not go anywhere. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. You are listening to Ask the NP on Channel Q. I'm Dr. James Simmons, and it is time to get to your questions. Man, y'all have had so many questions that pour in uh, at DTS show, of course, uh, although that may be sunsetting. So if you have some questions now and you you want to get into the nitty gritty about anything, but mostly it's been about COVID lately, but I'm here to talk about anything, uh, follow me and... Send those DMs to at AskTheNP, all right? At AskTheNP. I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram, where you can find me there. I'm trying to work on this TikTok, if any of y'all actually do that, or if you are under the age of 30 and you understand it, please also get in my DMs so you can teach me. All right, moving on from that. So vaccine-focused questions. Number one, what is the timeline for the two vaccine doses? How far apart are they taken? This is an excellent question because... I want everyone to remember that when it is your time to get this vaccine, whether you are someone listening or the loved one of someone who is going to be lucky enough to get the vaccine early, uh, so a frontline worker, a healthcare provider, or uh, you know someone with uh, comorbid medical conditions who might reside in a nursing facility or work in a nursing facility, those are the individuals who are getting these first, right, in the first week or so. Uh, it's two doses, And the two doses need to be, uh, for the Pfizer vaccine, it's three weeks apart. For the Moderna vaccine, which is coming, we're going to talk about that in just a second. That one's four weeks apart. Okay. So you get your first dose and then plus or minus a couple of days, three weeks later, if you got the Pfizer vaccine, which is the one I received, you need to get your second dose. If you end up getting the Moderna vaccine, they will tell you that you will need to come back four weeks later 
plus or minus a couple of days. And it is really important to be within that that time frame. So when we say three weeks, we really don't mean four. We mean three weeks to the day, give or take a day or two, okay, uh, for, for both vaccines. Now, there's some other vaccines coming out that may only be one dose um, down the road. And, you know, I think the, that information about what specific vaccines will need, what particular dosing as new and different vaccines start to come out, you know, further down the line. I'm talking later on a year or more from now, uh, we might have different dosing schedules. So excellent question for that. Uh, next question. What side effects can patients expect with this vaccine? How do the symptoms compare to the flu vaccine? Thank you, Fiona, for that excellent question. Side effects are something that we expect to happen, that we actually kind of want to happen versus adverse reactions. I think it's very important to differentiate the two. So when we talk about side effects from a medical standpoint, what we mean is, how are you going to feel after this from getting the vaccine? It's going to pinch a little in your arm, probably. You might also feel a little bit tired. You might get a headache. You might feel a little bit flush. Um, those are side effects that we anticipate. In fact, about 50% of people who received both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines experienced the tiredness and the headache. It was a headache that was manageable. They were calling it a three or four out of a 10 headache, uh, but they didn't feel great after the first dose. Their symptoms were a little bit worse after the second. So I think it's really important to let everyone know, like, you're not going to feel great. In fact, some people were having to even call into work after their second dose because they felt that fatigued. They had kind of myalgias, like muscle pains, things like that. You just kind of feel icky. And I think icky is a perfectly lovely medical term. So... uh it's, it's important for everyone to remember that, but this should not prevent you from wanting to get the vaccine. And I promise you, the, this minor inconvenience, which everyone in the research group said went away after about 24 hours, is way, way better than the potential symptoms and side effects of actually getting COVID-19. Okay, very good. One more question before we get out of here. Once more vaccines are approved, is there one in particular that I would recommend, or how should people decide which one to get? Excellent, excellent question, Ryan. Thank you so much. So ultimately, you probably aren't going to be able to decide which vaccine that you get, You, depending on where you end up going. So again, if you are a frontline worker or provider who will get this at a hospital, or you know later on down the road, you're going to get this from your primary care provider or at CVS or a local county public health department, anything like that you still probably are not going to get to decide. You're not going to be able to walk in and say, I would like the Moderna one over the Pfizer one or the Johnson & Johnson or whatever. You're probably just going to get the vaccine that has been distributed to them. Does that make sense? Now, it's always good for you to ask which one they're getting. Look at the ingredients. You know, Read all of the paperwork and the fine details before you get this vaccine. So you know, I think the mRNA technology in both the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine, they're so similar. Um, I, I was happy to get either one of them. I ended up getting the Pfizer one just that's because that's the one that my hospital gave me. Uh, so excellent question uh, from everyone. We really appreciate that. Uh, always going to be here to answer your questions and talk more about this vaccine. Feel free to DM or uh, ask those questions at Ask the NP. And we have plenty more of Ask the NP on Channel Q coming up 
our interview with Dr. John Paul Higgins, our weekly wake-up call. We're talking about why Black folks and individuals of color are, might have good reason to be reticent to actually want to get the vaccine. You don't want to miss this. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Ask the NP on Channel Q. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is time for your weekly wake-up call, where we sit down with Dr. John Paul Higgins and we discuss all things race and racism and how can we dismantle these systems This started of course out of the black lives matter movement from this past summer and this is our effort here a part of our effort here at channel q to continue the conversation and get real actionable change and so dr john paul higgins is a speaker writer social justice educator focusing on issues related to gender race and the media specifically and Dr. John, you know, one of the, the conversations that we're about to have is really specifically about why black and brown folks are really reticent to take this vaccine and really have much, uh, you know, reticent for a lot of medical issues and vaccines because of our history. And I think that there is some shame that goes into that conversation right now. And I, it, we sort of need to kind of reconstruct this conversation about why black and brown individuals might be kind of reticent to to take this this new vaccine. Um, so, you know, so I've been thinking about this a lot in the last few days and specifically knowing um, that the you know, that the vaccine was going to be released. And I've, I've had to think there's there and in order for us to even begin this conversation, we have to make the clear distinction that. You know, a lot of folks will say, "Okay, well, there, you know, you know, shade to the folks who are anti-vaxxers and black, whatever. Right. But I think we have to really kind of make the clear distinction that when white people say that they are leery of medication and they're leery of, of any type of medical information, vaccines, medicine, whatever, whatever, that it comes most of the time with the antidote behind it, that they are leery because of health. They want to be healthy. They want to be, you know, oh, yeah, I, I just I, I, I genuinely don't trust med- medical stuff because of big pharma. Okay, I get that. Totally valid. Um, But when Black people specifically, or Black or Brown, I'll say Black and Brown, when Black and Brown people say that they are leery of medical, um, you know, advances, vaccines, medication, et cetera, et cetera, big pharma as a whole, Mm -hmm. a lot of it is really connected to a long history of Black and brown folks being used as like almost testing mules for a lot of these vaccines and a lot of the medication. And so I think the paradigm for both of them are so different because of the ways that we've been treated in relation to it. Um, Medication for us as marginalized people is not medication to make us feel better. It's oftentimes used as a means to keep us either one addicted or two um, used as a way for us to go. Oh, that medication, you know, messed up a ton of people. Eh, maybe we shouldn't use it. I think about you know the Tuskegee Airmen, um, you know, trials that were done in the early fifties. Uh-huh. All of that is just a long history of what potentially could happen to us. And then just kind of the misuse of medication in relation to Black folks. I mean, I've never shared this story publicly, but I had a cousin uh, a few years ago pass away from a doctor giving her the wrong medication. Um, he prescribed her two things that interacted with, with her um, when mm. she was asleep and she died in her sleep because of it. Mm. Um, and so I've, I've always, like I said, I've just always been on the fence of like, why is it that we never get the care as a whole, the way that we, we fully deserve. And so I think a lot of folks are in that mind that the vaccine might do just the same thing to us that has been done um, in years past. So 
And, and thank you for sharing that. I, I, you know, hear the pain in your voice and I, you know, we're doing this on zoom. And so I see it in your, in mm-hmm. your eyes. And I think that there, that is legitimate. And I think it's really important for people to hear this, to hear and understand that the relationship that marginalized individuals have with the healthcare institution and, and medicine is, is categorically different than if you are not from an oppressed community right. and, you know, not to lump queer folks and black folks and Latinx folks and Asian folks and whatever all together, but specifically speaking about black individuals, mm-hmm. you know, there, I, I could go on with the, the number of examples. And I think we'll talk about this after the break, very specific examples on a large scale of why black individuals are, are reticent, but then also stories like what you just shared yeah. that go un, untalked about and no one hears in the media and, and no one hears these individual situations that happen. And it's as if lives are sort of like able to be disregarded be, because of the color of their skin. Well, oh, this happened. Or, you know, I, I think, talk, think about individuals who have sickle cell and that is one of the most painful diseases on earth. And yet we drastically under under medicate people who have sickle cell anemia, primarily because they're black. Yep. And that's very well documented. And so th- thank you for sharing that. And, and your testimony, I think, will will help a lot of people sort of understand where this is coming from. And after the break, when we come back, we're going to sort of collect ourselves emotionally as well. And then... <laughs> and, you know, talk a little bit more about why, you know, how we can sort of get rid of that shame, how also me as a healthcare provider who is a big fan of the vaccine and a black person, how I actually have conversations with individuals in our community about that because it can be challenging lots more. Don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Ask the NP on Channel Q. We are here again for our weekly wake up call with Dr. John Paul Higgins. And we are talking about what is, I feel like this subject, Dr. John Paul, is quite pervasive. And how do I say this? What's the best way to say this? So I feel like black folks talk about this all the time, about how much we don't trust medicine, how we don't trust the healthcare system. This is quite literally what I did my doctoral research on is how, you know, miscommunication and not prioritizing young black men who have sex with men led to a continuation of the HIV crisis in that community now where HIV rates are plummeting in other communities. And it's because of this mistrust of the, of the health system and the health system doing black folks wrong, <laughs> to, to be quite frank. And yeah. now this, is, this has really come up in terms of this vaccine, which has come out this week. It's really amazing and wonderful news. I'm one of the first people on the list in LA County to get this vaccine because I work with COVID folks. And, it, and I am, as we know, I am biracial, black identified and it is a really difficult conversation for someone who is a medical provider who has done a lot of research on these vaccines. And I feel very confident about taking this vaccine. And I, what I tell folks is bottom line, the risk of getting COVID is much, much worse than any risk associated with getting this vaccine. But Look. even my family members, even friends who are black, still look at me like I'm crazy. And what I wanna make sure that I'm not doing is when I'm so anxious for my friends and family to get the vaccine because I want them to be protected, I also don't want them to feel shamed. And so I'm kind of curious about your thoughts, how we sort of frame this conversation, understanding Tuskegee, understanding Henrietta Lacks, you know, understanding J. Marion Sims, uh, and I can explain those individuals in a minute, but understanding all these awful things that happened in our history, how do we sort of frame this conversation? 
I think it's imperative for us to remember that we are in a very much different time than what we were, um, you know, when the Tuskegee Airmen or Henrietta Lacks uh, incidents happened. Um, there's a lot of information that's out there. There's a lot of research that can be done. And I think what's imperative is to encourage, you know, not only ourselves, but those that are close to us to, you know, pick up their phone, pick up a tablet, pick up a piece of paper, whatever the case may be, and to really research and ask the hard questions, right? What's the difference between the Pittsburgh, the, is it Pittsburgh, 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 Pittsburgh? Pfizer. I, I, Pfizer. Thank uh -huh. you. The Pfizer, Pfizer yeah. one, and it's a, and what's the one with and the M? Moderna. Moderna. Okay. Yep. Again, I'm not a medical professional, so I don't know the name. <laughs> That's all right. That's why That's I'm here. <laughs> okay. Right. Thank you. But I know there's two out there. You know, what is the difference between the two? What are the side effects? Um, how does it affect folks who, you know, for instance, black individuals who have sickle cell anemia? I've been thinking a lot about that. My brother has the trait and it affects him in the different ways, different vaccines and different things affect him in a different way. I mean, we have to genuinely advocate for ourselves more than ever now. And I think that that's what's going to be so imperative in this moment is to speak up and say, hey, you know, I'm on this medication or I'm, you know, I, I don't know about how this, you know, medication is going to affect me. Um, I need, you have to trust your doctor enough to be able to ask these questions. And if you don't feel comfortable with your doctor, then you need to let them know um, before you do take the vaccine what you need in order to be comfortable. I know myself, I am too going to be taking the vaccine because I miss buffets and I miss eating out with my friends but I definitely <laughs> right, right. do believe that there is a space where you know for me I've had real conversations with my doctor about you know what's to come the effects of COVID even on me um, if I don't take it and, and and being very open with my doctor about what are my concerns in relation to taking the vaccine when I do decide to take it so that would be my personal advice. And I think that's great advice for all healthcare providers or anyone having a conversation, particularly about health, because it's so personal. I mean, you shared with us earlier how, you know, someone, you know, a family member just sort of routinely trying to go, you know, to the doctor or to the hospital, get something taken care of and ends up passing. And that that's that then frames how we think about health going forward. And so I think that it's so incredibly important to remember that kind of all individuals have some of this sort of like shared trauma when it comes to medicine and health and those particular experiences. And then black individuals, trauma runs deeper, right? So those of you not familiar with the Tuskegee yeah. experiment, they, they quite literally gave general individuals syphilis between 1932 and 1972 on purpose and then left it untreated just to see what would happen if you left syphilis untreated. There's also, you know, the story of Henrietta Lacks, who was a, uh, she was like a tobacco farmer from Virginia. Her cells have basically gone on to uh, be the source cells that we've learned how to, we can do, um, like a, we developed the polio vaccine, um, treatments for leukemia, um, HIV medications, all these things like that. She was never credited for it. She was never compensated for it. You know, there's even the, the city of Baltimore intentionally placed black families in houses that had lead paint and then studied those families, their neur neurological issues that went on with those families to see what would happen if you lived in, a, in an area with lead paint. Now, what happens from that now is that we know the lead paint is really bad for you, but they did that on black folks and they did that knowingly. So things like that are why we sort of have to have these conversations and create this open space for people to share their stories, however painful, Dr. John, and we, we, yeah. 
we we appreciate you sharing that. And and for all of you who might have quite more questions about the vaccine, you know, I am an open book at Ask the NP. The DMs are open. James at Ask the NP, you're welcome to send an email. And this is for anyone. Um, I'm also going to do, of course, videos, and we're going to talk more on the show about um, the importance of vaccines, kind of try to dispel some myths and, and answer all of your questions with that. We appreciate you listening. Do not go anywhere. More to come. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the NP on Channel Q. Happy Friday to you. If you're listening to this live on Friday, you've made it to the end of the week. This is the last day of work for many people. Congratulations for you if you have next week off and uh, so you don't have to to stare at Zoom calls anymore, which is <laughs> what so many people have been doing essentially, I mean, even before this, but essentially since March, right, when everybody shut down. Uh, I do love that everyone's having Zoom holiday parties right now. I think this is the wildest thing. Um, and some of them end up being really super fun. One of the best Zooms I have ever ever attended, ever seen in my entire life was for uh, Mark S. King, who is a legend and one of the biggest activists in the HIV community. And he had maybe the biggest A-list of all A-list gays come on this Zoom to wish him a happy birthday and even sing him a happy birthday song. Find out who when we talk to Mark coming up uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, But right now, speaking of working, there are many people in Hollywood who didn't work for a very, very long time and have suffered immense consequences because of that, because of the shutdown, obviously. Well, now, you know, much of Hollywood has gotten back to work which is really great, but they've had to do it under very different and very difficult circumstances. Imagine trying to put an entire movie together, being six feet apart from everyone at all times. Imagine having to get tested if you are one of the actors where you can't be uh, six feet apart from each other off the time, all the time. You have to, you know, interact with each other. You get tested nearly every day. You have to be quarantined from your family, all of these things. But it's been so important to get you know, that industry back up and going because it quite literally is hundreds of thousands of people's jobs and livelihoods on the line that were unfortunately lost because of this. So, you know, I know it's controversial, but I think if people follow the rules and go by the guidelines, more or less filming can be done safely. Uh, and, and I think there's a balance that everyone has to find there. Well, someone who maybe was a little unbalanced because of some rule breaking, some COVID rule breaking on set this week was Tom Cruise. You may or may not have heard <laughs> his rant about uh, people breaking sort of COVID-19 distancing guidelines on set of the new, uh, his new movie, uh, MI6, Mission Impossible, uh, excuse me, 7, MI7, Mission Impossible 7. Uh, if you have not heard this rant, here's a little piece of it. You're back there in Hollywood making movies right now because of us, because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every studio at night, insurance companies, and they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again, ever. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. Okay, so our boy was not happy <laughs> at all. And it's there's a new twist to this now. So there's an update. Tom Cruise is actually shutting down production 
on Mission Impossible 7 and taking a slightly earlier than planned Christmas break right now because of the controversy that sort of blew up over this, that this leaked video or this leaked audio that went out has obviously caused a bunch of controversy right now. Um, and so because people not following guidelines, because of the controversy of the audio, uh, Tom Cruise is shutting down production early for the early Christmas break on Mission Impossible 7. But that's not the only twist. Some folks who know Scientology very well have come out to talk about how this wasn't really everything to do with COVID and more to do with maybe Tom Cruise's Scientology background and that this rant using words like gold standard and and some of the words and the verbology that were coming out of Tom Cruise's mouth were actually part and parcel of individuals who have been in Scientology and particularly some of the leaders of Scientology, how they behave towards other members of Scientology. And that this rant had much more to do with, these are their words, not mine. This rant had much more to do with Tom Cruise's savior-like ideology, savior-like uh, complex because of his Scientology roots. This is from Karen Presley, who used to run uh, Scientology Church's Celebrity Center. So she had a lot of interaction with individuals like Tom Cruise and other you know, celebrities who are part of Scientology. Uh, and she's saying, you know, I've heard this exact type of rant that when leaders in Scientology snap about something, they use this, these same words, these same cadences, the same type of energy to talk to sort of their followers, I guess, if they will. And then sort of bring them back around afterwards like Tom does in this. And he sort of coddles them at the end and, you know, says, I'm just I don't want this to have to cost anyone their homes or their livelihood um, because y'all weren't following COVID-19 protocol. So a very interesting conversation. The drama continues with Tom Cruise losing it on the set of MI7 uh, and maybe for good reason. If people weren't uh, following COVID protocol. Uh, you know, I de definitely they needed to be reminded of that and reminded of how important it is. But maybe it could have been done in a different way. I don't know. We definitely want to know what you think about that, though. Get at us. We still have at DTS show up on the socials now, or you can always uh, get at me directly at Ask the NP. Our interview with Mark S. King, huge milestone this week, and who sang him happy birthday on his best Zoom ever birthday party. One of the biggest A-list gays. You do not want to miss this. That interview is coming right up. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Ask the NP on Channel Q. We're so happy that you are here. And another person that I am very, very happy is here is my good friend, Mark S. King, who you probably know from my fabulous disease. And uh, I'm not even going to go into all of the accolades right now because I want Mark to do that for all of y'all. Uh, but I am just so incredibly honored and happy to have Mark S. King here with us. And there's a special reason why we have brought Mark on to talk this week in particular, but I'm going to save that as a little bit of a tease. So Mark S. King, welcome to the show. Good morning, James. How are you? Uh, well, I am fantastic. It is uh, completely and wonderfully lovely to see you. You are looking quite fabulous as you do. Oh, why, thank you. It's just a shame this is radio. 
right? It is a shame. This is radio. People will have to take your word for that. Yes. Well, or they can just go to myfabulousdisease.com and check it out for themselves, though. Absolutely. I will say they won't see this particular shirt. So for those of you listening, obviously, we're doing this Zoom, uh, this interview on Zoom right now. And Mark is looking absolutely scrum dillyumptious. But Mark, you know, a, a lot of folks, let me let me rephrase this. Everyone in the HIV um, activism community, I guess that's how to put it. I don't know. Everyone in that community knows you and most of us love you. <laughs> There's a nice little jab <laughs> for you. Um, but a lot of folks don't know your story and how My Fabulous Disease came about and how you came about becoming the um, LGBJ journalist of the year and a GLAAD award winner and all of those things. Aha, I gave a little bit away. So tell us just what's kind of the origin story of you and like my fabulous disease. Well, you know, I, I like to say I'm a guy with HIV and a keyboard and that's how it happened. You know, I was diagnosed in 1985 as soon as the test came out in Los Angeles in West Hollywood and it was an epicenter and it was very scary, uh, but I started writing about it right away. Um, I'm a writer at heart, and I just wanted to share that experience. And what I learned very soon is that there's a lot of of joy and humor. Uh, you know, we are a very resilient bunch, and mm-hmm. particularly those of us who are gay men living with HIV, we haven't lost our snark or our humor. And and my writing just brings that out, I suppose. I mean, it's just the way I am. It's, I'm, I came that way. And uh and so um, I wrote for many years for newspapers and uh, was a columnist. And then I became a blogger because it was online. And, um, and so here I am. This, the, my website is My Fabulous Disease. And um, I, 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 I do get more thoughtful uh, as I've aged. I've become more thoughtful and, uh, and more serious-minded uh, when, it, when it's called for. But I'll tell you, HIV will never take away my joy. And uh, that is what uh, is up front for me. Yeah. Mark, I, I do have to say, and I'm, I'm so wonderfully glad that you you say that, that HIV will never take away your joy. And I think that you truly are the embodiment of that. Wow, it's Radio James. Use your voice. So, but one of the things, I think you're, you're, you're holding back a little bit. You're being very proper, uh, um, which is wonderful. But sometimes I think if people read your articles and go to Twitter... Or go to myfabulousdisease.com or markesking.com. I mean, the, the first line on your website is, I'm an HIV positive gay man in recovery from drug addiction. What's not to love? Like, you can be a little brash and a little in people's face, but I, I think it yes. works. Is, has that always been you? Uh, it's pretty much always been me. My, my family likes to say that when I come to town in Louisiana, the Mark experience begins. Uh, <laughs> and I tend to suck all the air out of the room. But um, I, I have to. I'm the youngest of six kids. There's a lot of competition. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the fact is, is that, you know, what's not to love? That came from my mom. I said, Mother, do you ever get embarrassed because your son is this out queer guy with HIV? And she's like, what's not to love? And so I took that from her. That is directly from mom. Thanks, mom. Wow. How many people have not had that experience, um, you know, and, and having a, a, a loving and supportive parent? And so I'm, I'm so glad that you, you had that, Mark. 
Oh, you bet. And, and and so am I. You know, this time of year, you've reminded me I should do it. I do a Christmas special. It's the My Fabulous Disease Christmas uh, Holiday Spectacular. Of course. And it's a video with my whole family that I filmed years ago, but I repost it every year. You reminded me I'm going to put it right up on my site. Awesome. And it's my whole family um, uh, together talking about loving a family member with HIV. Mm. And uh, I am very, very lucky that that has happened. But if you watch the video, you'll see that I am by far not the the most hammy in the family. <laughs> it <laughs> runs in the family. Like I said, there's a lot of competition, and I have an older gay brother. Uh-huh. And so um, the two of us are like a synergistic effect of gayness when when we get together. Um, his name is Dick. Um, I like to say I have a, a gay brother. His name is Dick King. Uh, and so insert your own joke here. <laughs> right. Of course. Very good. Uh, see, there's a little bit of the Mark coming out and uh, we get a little bit of mo- more of Mark and why we're talking to Mark this particular week and why we are celebrating Mark and some accomplishments and some of his friends that we got to celebrate with this week and why it was such an important celebration uh, for some a really, really deserving organization and a really, really de- deserving community. So you do not want to miss that. We have more Ask the NP on Channel Q coming right up. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Ask the MP on Channel Q. Thank you for joining us here on Friday. Don't forget, this is also a podcast. So you may be listening to this live on the air as we speak or... If you miss some of the show, you can always download it as a podcast. So follow me at AskTheNP on Twitter or Instagram. We will post it there. Of course, we at We Are Channel Q. Even on the old Drop the Subject uh, social medias, we're posting this information there for you. So those of you who listen to Drop the Subject or our fans can download the podcast from there. Now, we are here still and again with Mark S. King from MyFabulousDisease.com. And Mark, you had a, a, a kind of a milestone this week. Well, I did. Um, uh, I've turned 60 years old. And uh, it's uh, for somebody that never thought they'd make it to 30. Uh, and with good reason, uh, it seems fantastical. Just fantastical. So I thought I'd throw a little party online, a virtual birthday party, mm-hmm. and invite some of my close friends. <laughs> and uh, as a result, we had um, uh, a wonderful time. And and by the way, the one-hour party is available on my site. You can watch it for yourselves. It's jam-packed with action. And I don't know, is it time to drop names? James, may I drop I, names now? I think it might be. Yes. I And I want you to be the name dropper because you know all of them. But before we... I, I do just want to remind folks, this was in the middle of like too many Zooms, right? The world, we just, we're all on video conferencing all the time as we should be, right? We need to be physically distanced and all of these things going on right now. However, I have ne'er had a more entertaining Zoom hour in my life, Mark S. King. And I'm, I'm not surprised in the least that it was because of your fabulosity. So you turned 60 this year, but it wasn't just a narcissistic birthday celebration. It wasn't just all about you. Tell us about it. Well, it wasn't just a narcissistic birthday celebration, <laughs> although that was a big part of it because self-engrandizement is really part of my brand. Yeah, um, instead, I decided to make it a celebration of all long-term HIV survivors who are hitting major life milestones we never thought we would get to. So let's make it about all of us and make it a benefit um, because we did ask for donations when people registered, they didn't have to. And we raised over $20,000 for the Reunion Project, which is a national network of HIV survivors. And I 
could weep at that figure. It's nothing I could have ever imagined, but it might've been because we were promoting the stars that would be there and entertaining us and singing for us and cracking up and making fun of me, yes. which was uh, very important. Um, there who was, was there? Uh, Javier us, Munoz. Oh yeah. Javier Munoz, who was the, uh, who, who was the lead in Hamilton on Broadway for two years. He replaced Lin-Manuel and he is amazing. And he is an out HIV positive musical actor. He sang from Hamilton, raise your glass. How and, that was, um, that was amazing and brought, brought tears to my eyes, by the way, when he did that, he was, he was, it was gorgeous. And, um, and you can still see it on my fabulous And then we had Sherry Lewis, who was a pop star in the eighties, who was a long-term survivor who sang being alive. Uh, by the way, between all of this was Charles Sanchez, um, who was, uh, the star of the web series Merce, who made fun of me mercilessly mm-hmm. uh, and a lot about my sex life, I might say, there, which I is was, hardly the source of comedy. Right. <laughs> I thought it was great. I mean, they went way back in your sex life too, to like your college days and your, uh, yes. trips to the baths in the, the late seventies. Price is right. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. Yes. I just, I just want to let our viewers know, by the way, you're not hearing things. Mark has some, um, there's some construction going on. So the, yeah, you know, on top of everything else, the excitement of being on your show, they're putting a new roof on my house right now <laughs> and they are banging and I keep trying to move around the house to get away from them, but there's no escape. So That's I'm right. sorry. Anyway, so uh, we but it's the most pounding I've seen in ages. Oh, oh my. yes. Uh, uh, Greg Luganis uh, made an appearance and said some words. Um, uh, Sherry sang a song. We had a ton of long-term survivors speaking up for themselves and talking about, you know, their legacies as long-term survivors. And then, I don't know, just when we thought we'd had enough excitement, Elton John and his husband, David Furnish, arrived and wished us all a happy birthday. And then, oh, I don't know, Elton sang me happy birthday. Happy. I was screaming. Like, I know the kids say I was screaming and then they, that's what they put on TikTok or whatever. But I was literally screaming. I was watching this. I'm, I can't believe I'm going to admit this out loud. I was watching the end of this as I was pulling into my driveway, like in the car, because I was at the hospital. (laughs) Then I put it on my phone and I was driving home. And so I couldn't comment as much as I wanted to. And then as I'm pulling in the driveway, I was like, oh no, she didn't. That is John and David Furnish. And she's singing Mark Happy Birthday. That is, how did you pull that off? Well, David Furnish, Elton's partner, is the head of the Elton John AIDS Foundation. And it just turns out, who knew? He's a fan of of My Fabulous Disease. And again, go to myfabulousdisease.com if you join, <laughs> whether you're living with HIV or you just want to see a bunch of crazy people um, um, overfilled with, with joy and gratitude, uh, it's going to put a smile on your face. It absolutely will. That was the perfect summation of all of this, Mark. And I'm just so uh, honored uh, that you also asked me to be a part of the host committee. Those of you who follow me on social media, I was like, pushing this out all week. I was like, please. Yes, yes. Thank you. Well, of course. And I'm glad that maybe that was a small, in small part, able to uh, raise that more than $20,000 for the reunion project. So Mark S. King, thank you so much for being here. We very much appreciate it. Tell the kids real quick where they can follow you online. Absolutely. Go to myfabulousdisease.com. If you're a Twitter person, I'm at myfabdisease. 
And um, you know what, James? Thank you so much. I, I adore you. I'm glad that you also are working in the vein of imparting important health information and doing it with a sense of humor. We can all use that, especially now. Oh, thank you very much, Mark. That means the world. I appreciate it. And we have lots more Ask the NP on Channel Q answering your questions. We're finally going to get to them. Don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Oh, welcome back. You are listening to Channel Q right now. This is Ask the NP. I am Dr. James Simmons, and we thank you so much for listening. What an incredible interview uh, with Mark S. King from My Fabulous Disease and hearing who exactly got to sing happy birthday to him on Zoom, one of the best Zooms I've seen maybe in my entire life. It was really fantastic. If you missed that interview, remember, this show is also a podcast, so you can download and subscribe to that podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, Go to radio.com and look for Drop the Subject. That's where this podcast is living right now or wherever you get your podcast. And that may be sunsetting sooner or later. Who knows? We, we may be launching some things that might be a little bit different in the new year. So it could be fun and exciting. It will be fun and exciting. So please stay tuned for that. We're also going to have lots of great interviews with celebrities, movers and shakers in our LGBTQ world. Of course, lots of health talk as we continue to roll out vaccines to the, the general population and others um, you know, coming in the new year. So this is our last show of 2020. We will take a break for a couple of weeks like many folks do and rest and recharge and try to shake off 2020 in the best way that we know how. Um, and we will come back to you with uh, some new, exciting, great uh, things in the new year. So we really appreciate you listening. Uh, I, I'm, it means so much to me that not only listening to this show, but all of Channel Q and everything that we are doing here um, to bring a voice to everybody in the LGBTQIA plus community and even bigger and better and more exciting things in 2021. So as we get out of here, we thank you so much again for listening. And the questions have been pouring in tremendously for a very long time. Uh, Primarily, it's about COVID, of course. But there are other questions as well. And, you know, there are other health things that actually go on. And one of the questions that I get sometimes that I I, I want to sort of address here and, and remind everyone, I, I get lots of questions about if I'm having chest pain, is it safe for me to go to the hospital? Or if I'm, you know, feel like I'm maybe having a facial droop or I have an infection that needs to be treated or something like that, is it safe for me to go to the hospital? Yes, I'm summarizing, I'm generalizing multiple questions that I've gotten about this, um, you know, kind of over COVID, but I've gotten a lot more recently as people are hearing that case numbers are going up and that some hospital systems are, are being overwhelmed. I will tell you that there is no safer place for you to be if you think you are having a heart attack or a stroke or you have an, an inf- any type of infection, COVID or not, that you think is 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 dangerous go to the hospital go to if you need to go to an urgent care call 911 you can't treat your stroke at home on your own don't wait time is brain is the saying that we say we have the very very limited amount of time if you are having a stroke to give you the medications that can reverse a stroke and to treat you. We have extreme I'm talking on the measure of hours. So if you or a loved one thinks that you're having a stroke, don't let COVID stop you from calling 911 because they can start doing things 
already in the ambulance for 911. Same thing if you're having chest pain or a heart attack. Yes, lots of hospitals are overwhelmed right now. The 911 system also knows that, right? They're, they're, we're, we're in touch with them constantly. So they may reroute you to a hospital that might be two or three minutes further, but has more availability and is not necessarily being overrun. So I just really want to reemphasize to everyone that while COVID is completely dominating the headlines, it seems to be dominating our lives. It's certainly dominated much of this conversation today. There are other health aspects that are going on, and we I, I just want you to be safe. I, if you think you're having a heart attack or a stroke, call 911. Don't sit on it and wait for it uh, because you might be fearful of COVID, okay? That is the message from here. And the message, of course, in this you know holiday season, you know Hanukkah and Christmas, Christmas and Kwanzaa and and New Year's and everything going on is is that of love and of resilience. Think about everything that you have gone through this year and you are still here doing what you do and that just just allow yourself to sit with that and be okay with that thought right now. That yes, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in 2020 was such an awful year and everything's going to be perfect and better in 2021. And it's not. We still have a long way to go with COVID, but we have made it this far. There is that light at the end of the tunnel is getting much, much, much brighter. The pinch in my arm on Thursday from the vaccine is proof of that. So sending love and light to all of you. Don't forget uh, radio.com. Search for Drop the Subject is where you can find this as a podcast. Follow me at Ask the NP. Uh, Love all your questions. And after the new year, we will get to all of those questions here. And uh, lots more on Channel Q. Don't go anywhere. Happy holidays to all of you. We love you. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q.